Please God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Um, thank you, Father. But Jimmy, please, can you just help us um, from last Wednesday just to summarize, if you can. <coughs> Sorry that. Um, I, don't I don't mean to put you on the spot, please. But I just felt that you might be able to do the job. So. Okay. Yeah. Okay, sir. I think last week. Yes, sir. Um, I think the the title of the message actually on YouTube summarizes everything. It's a fellowship of um, love and truth. Um, last week we started from First John chapter four, I believe, and. Uh, we had started looking from verse 6, actually. I'll just read it quickly. It says, We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And um, you, you know, by mercy, you were showing us that the us here is not um, everybody as it were, but a particular people. So you had gone back to John chapter 1 to kind of show us who those people are. And, um, sorry, First John chapter 1, sorry. And in First John chapter 1, it shows us two calibrations. Um, there were people that had handled a particular allocation of a word, and also they had another word allocated and um, manifested to them. So word of life was what they were handling, and... Um, what was manifested to them was eternal life. So um, you went back and you were just showing us that even on the fellowship that those people had, um, what scripture says here, it says, um, he, that heareth, he that is not of God heareth us not. So you were showing us that these people had come to a place where the things that they could say could be likened to what God is saying at a particular time. And, um, you know, by mercy, you're just showing us why or how it is not really the order for us to maybe just go and find God and hear God as it were, but that um, God is present in persons. Um, so we kept um, going down, and um, you had shown that I says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God. It says, He that loveth knoweth not God for God is love. And then um, he now said in verse 9, it says, In this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Um, not to maybe take too much time, but one thing you were trying to show was um, the concept of love is not love as we know it, it's not love as a feeling. But what love, what the scripture is showing here is a particular explanation of love in God, which um, is really found in the fact that he gave his only begotten son, which we see in that verse 10. It says, Aaron is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So we're just saying that um, 
Again, it's not just a feeling affair, but that this particular love conversation happens in a particular point, and that the love is premised on an, something, an object, which is truth. And you were showing us that that truth is, um, is the fellowship that those people that are in, that he was referring to as us, which Apostle John and those company, that those were, that was actually what they were handling, what they were transacting in, that could make um, them say all these things. So in the opening of the conversation of truth, sorry, I hope I'm not, you know, um, in, the hope, in the opening of the conversation of truth, um, you had shown that um, in that world of truth, um, it is open for us to also come in, because, um, what he had said in John, First John chapter one, is that that we also may have fellowship. So it's just kind of like an open invitation, as it were. So we're seeing that even in that world of truth, um, that um, there's a way we ought to behave ourselves. There's a way we ought to be when such conversations open. Um, I think in Second First Timothy talks about. Um, our diameters behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. So we're seeing that um, that the the in terms of what it describes as behaving yourself refers to a faithfulness to a vocation that is only found in that realm. And um, that is one charge that you were giving to us about um, how we ought to be when conversations of this love is coming to us. Um, also, um, if I just take a step back, I think when, when we had started talking about the fellowship of, of this truth, um, we had seen that, sorry, if you can just go to a scripture, so sorry. Um, okay. Um, we had seen that, that that level of truth, um, okay, sorry, it says, which is the church of the living God? One thing you said was, the term church does not necessarily refer to a local church, but refers to a people that are joining. And um, it is something, the word church itself connotes some sort of fellowship which they are handling. So um, we then started seeing that um, when we look at the book of Revelation, the letter was written to the seven churches which were at a point. So one thing we've seen is from that first John chapter four, those churches had come to a particular point. But at that point, um, even though they had labored in a degree and they had called forth some sort of commendation, um, what we were seeing is um, the Lord Jesus was appearing to them again and correcting or showing things that um, they have not done properly to them. Um, like, for example, the Ephesian church, it said that they, should, that they had labored and they had not fainted, but that they left their first love. Um, so you are showing us how easy it is for us to miss the point at this, um, when a conversation like this is open, uh, for us to keep doing labor or doing our own things and not handling what is what love is pretty much, right? And then he said the command he gave to the church was for them to go back to the first works. And um, you were also just showing that the works really are explained by the spirits. Uh, because when Jesus had spoken to the church there, he said that, um, that they should hear what the spirit is saying. Um, those are what I can gather from 
from last week's administration. Thank I don't you know so if. Amen. Amen. Can someone else help us just to, because Jimmy went in different, uh, and that was very awesome to go into a lot of detail, but just, if there's always some, someone can just put it together. Um, okay, Fumbi, thank you. I just want to add a very simple language. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, um, the summary of what I got from Uncle Jimmy, um, sorry, this is my first time, okay. <laughs> okay, okay. So, first of all, um, he explained that love is not a feeling, right? It's actually inside the person that God sent to us, which is Jesus. And from what I got from it is, love is more into a knowledge of the person of Jesus. And um, we started to see um, God sent his only begotten son to die for us. So that was the only way he could give his love to us. And you said once in the message that um, love is true birthing. You can only give birth to love by, you can only give love by giving birth, which is true the way God gave his only begotten son. So. There is more, but like this is my first time, so my head is just running around. <laughs> so that's basically, but also to you spoke about um, the church and the first works. So it's also still based on the knowledge that is still inside the person called Jesus. So I see it in a very short term is the thing behind Jesus. That's the love we are meant to know. So I, I don't know if I really said much, but yeah, yeah that's it. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Thank you, Father. We give you praise. Lord, we thank you. We submit to you. We say, Lord, bring um, utterance tonight and bring more clarity, Lord, to the things which you, you want to say to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Um, verse um, First John, uh, First John, chapter um, chapter four, First John four, verse that verse ten says that um, that herein is love. Praise God. Hallelujah. That herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, praise Jesus, um, to be the propitiation for our sins, amen. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, amen, for our sins, glory to God. Um, that's love, then he says, but if, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another because no man has seen God at any time. And if we love one another, God dwelleth in us. And his love is what? Is perfect, is perfected. 
His love is perfected in us. Amen. So we just begin to look at this um, fellowship of fellowship of love. Uh, it's clear this is fellowship at the highest level. Um, so, and uh, this love is the the thing that God wants to to give to every soul. He wants every soul to to come into. Um, he says that hearing is love, so defining love that not that we loved God, so it doesn't mean we love we didn't love God, but the the concept of love which they are sharing or which is the the essence of our fellowship is not a is not a thing, it's not a human thing, it's not something that you can generate, right? it's something that actually, um, that came from God, right? But he said, but he loved us, and then he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, and then that one, he said, if God so loved us, like John 3.16 says, or God so loved, right, the world, that he sent his only begotten son. So it's the same thing that the son coming from God was actually a provision of love to, to us. Praise Jesus. And um, uh, there, is a, there is a fellowship of love which we which we ought to come into. Praise Jesus. Thank you, Father. First John chapter one was speaking um, concerning um, that fellowship, right? It was, um, it said that, so those fellowship of what they spoke about in first John one verse one, and then verse two are two unique fellowships of love, right? The first one was that which was from the beginning, right? Which we have, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, right? Which we have looked upon, and our hands have what? Handled, our hands have handled of the word of life. And we see that life is love, right? That when we say, we're talking of the life which they are speaking about is actually their love, is the love which is in them, is something which they want to give. When they uh, said that, John 3.16, for God so loved the world, as so did he love, by giving his only begotten son, right, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So you see the, the
the product of love. The giving of love is the giving of life. That's the summary of John 3.16. That him loving by giving the son is equal to the giving of life. You see that? So this love is life. And so we know that the life which God wants to give are in two dimensions. There's dimension of the life which was from the beginning, which they mentioned in, cha- in cha- verse 1 of 1 John, chapter 1. And then verse 1, then verse 2 goes on to speak about another life which was manifested. Um, see, it was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and what was manifested to us. So when you say life in general, if you want to just sum life up, the life of God is actually eternal life. Right? It's really eternal life. God's life is eternal. That's the life that is in him is eternal life. But that eternal life has a dimension that is of it. Right? It's of it. That verse 1 said it's what we have actually handled is of the word of life. It's actually of the word of life. It's like a, a, a portion, a particular um, aspect of it, right? Which is of the word of life. You think of the word of life, you, think you can see that's one big thing, God's eternal life. Then, but there was that of that life which was from the beginning, which is they heard, which they saw, right? So we've seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hand have handled of the word of life. So the word of life came to a point where the, it began to minister itself, right? The, through ministration of hearing all of these things. And then, then after a while, when they handled the life, then the life then began to manifest itself. That manifestation is not just the portion of it which they handled. It's actually talking about the full manifestation of eternal life. Right, which began to manifest to them again. So the scene of verse 2 is not the same as the scene of verse 1. Right? The scene of verse 2 is, is seeing the full manifestation, the life which they handled, the word, what they had handled of it. But now it began to fully manifest. And then they saw it, and then they, they, and they saw it, like we were saying, Last Wednesday is for the purpose of witness, for witness, and they because of they being eyewitnesses of it, amen. Their game came into authority to also show the life, right, and to show unto you that so these people with writing they can show eternal life through writings. It's really because of what they have seen. Praise Jesus. So they. I will bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was what? Manifested 
unto us. And that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that ye also may have what fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with who? With the Father and then with who? With his Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write on to you that your word, your joy may be full. So this is the, the way to bring fullness of joy is by coming into the fellowship of these things. Do you want your joy to be full? Do you want to arrive at fullness of joy? You need to receive the writing, the declaration of these things that will bring you into Fellowship with them. Fellowship with what? Fellowship with the life. Fellowship with the love. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. So, so you see that the, um, the Lord um, is um, particular about the this, the ministry, the prospering, the increase of this, of this love or of this fellowship. There is a concept of increase, right? You, you, the Bible says you can increase in fellowship, you can increase in love, right? You can increase in love through the purpose of fellowship is for to bring prosperity. That's one of the, f- the first dimension of the, the purpose of fellowship is to bring, to bring forth increase, right? There's a concept of increase um, in fellowship. Do you see that? If we, if we jump to chapter three, you see, um, speaking about the same love, right? Uh, the same love, he said, Behold, what manner of love the Father had bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. So, the point of the world knowing you not is the point where you just become a son. He's actually speaking of a transition that, and they're telling you that the Lord actually, the Lord actually came to this point. Do you see that? It's, Jesus said it in John chapter 14. There will be a time the world seeth me no more. That the world seeth me no more. Of course, you can talk about his ascension, but it's more than that. There is a point when you, you trace him that anything that has a, a taint, a, 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 a spot, Right, you know, the Bible speaks about being being spotted by the world. Anything that has a spot from the world loses visage of him. Right, you the world, anything that is spotted by the world will is and the world is an incapacitator. Like it's a disqualifier. That's what they were saying last time. The world will disqualify, the world will just disqualify you. And the way the world disqualifies is not by maybe they will just say, we're angry at you because you have the world in you, so we won't show you our life. It's not like that. It's that if you have the world in you and they bring the life to you, you won't be able to see it. 
It's not, a, it's not just a thing of preference. It's not that we like, we hate this thing called wall, so those who have it, we won't show them our life. Those who don't have it, we'll show them. It's, not, it's more than that. It's that the world ha- actually has an effective, it has an effect on the soul. When you are, if you are carrying worldliness somehow, you refuse to drop it, just something about the world you are still holding on to, it has an effect on the soul that makes the soul incapable of being able to fellowship, to relate. The world blind, blinds, right? It, it, it veils, right? It, it's, um, glory to God. He said that if our gospel be veiled, it's to them that, that are lost whom the God of this world. The, so it's the God of this world using the world has blinded the mind. It casts something over the mind. Right? That thing, that blindness is there. The world is, the world is as a kind of, it's a DNA. It's a, it's a kind of, it's something that just have it in you. You become shut off to some things. You can't use the same mind you use to fellowship with the world. will become handicapped with fellowshipping with God. It's a reality, it's a truth. You won't find a mind fellowshipping with the world and when you're bringing God, that same mind will just be able to take up exercise in fellowship with God. It's not possible. That the world, when the... When to make a mind able to fellowship with God, a season of passage must occur. A season of transition must occur. That soul, that mind, that heart must have gained a kind of transition away from worldly formation. Do you see that? Both of the mind... Right, because that Second Corinthians chapter four spoke about the effect of the law, the world on the mind is a casting of blindness, of a veil that leads to being lost. When you are lost, you don't. You, your mind is being lost is something about the mind. The mind can't be put together to chart its course, to find the, its path to find its way home. You know, to be lost means you, you've lost your way home. R- right? If you are, when you are lost, when you are, when, you, when do you say you are lost? If you're, dri- if you're driving from your home, right? You get to, to the grocery store or something, and you're at the grocery store, you're purchasing something, you're not at home, but you're not lost. You are away from home at that time but you know your way back. So you don't qualify as being lost. Why? Because your mind operation can t- still, has the, it still has the map, it still has the ability the, the, to, f- to chart your way home. So you're not lost. But when you now move into a place where you're driving, maybe you're driving somewhere in Lagos. I always use Lagos because I feel some people, you can get lost there, amen. So... <laughs> So let's say you're driving somewhere and then you just t- make some turn and after a while you just realize, I don't know how to get out from this place. You are lost at that time. Why? That Because at that time your mind has lost its resourcefulness to take you back to home. 
to where you're going. You get what I'm saying? So when being lost is a veil on the mind, when the mind falls into that veil situation from being able to trace its, its home, your home is, is the presence of God. Right? Home is where? Home. The home for every soul, the home for every man is the presence of God. That's home. So when you are, you are, you've taken a journey and there's no wisdom, no device to come back, you are lost. And that thing is done by blindness. That's the purpose of the world. Unable to trace your way back into the, to the presence of God. Praise Jesus. So that's part of it. It's the dual operation to cast the veil on the mind and then to the, 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 the deepest one. While the mind is being veiled, a walk is going on. In that lost place, something is happening. It's a deeper walk in the heart. It's to put something inside the heart. Right? So that when to bring the soul back, you don't, after dealing with the mind, you find there's a bigger problem inside the heart. That while you heal the mind and you show the mind the way home, the person can still refuse to go home. So it's not that they got lost. You know, first you are trying to go home. You don't know how to go home. You don't know how to go home. You're trying, you, you still long for home. Right, but the world, when you stone stays in the world for some time, the world begins to do what? It can put some things that it begins to chat another another thing inside the, the, the heart, right? To begin to diminish the the desire for home. So th- those things are hard things. It's not mind stuff, it's hard stuff. Those are the loves. Say loves. loves. Love is dangerous. So now is that first chapter two. Love not the world, nor the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, is incapacitated concerning the love of the Father. It will spoil the heart. The heart becomes unable to do what receive or to. You become unable to have the Father's love in you if you love the world. Praise Jesus. So, so you're seeing that this love of the Father, which is chapter 3, verse 1. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So, um, you saying what manner of love the Father has bestowed. So, if you, you now know that, based on chapter 2, at the point of bestowing this Father's love, something has happened. The soul must have been what? been pruned, been washed, been cleansed from what? From the love of the world. So he's saying that bestowed upon us that we should be called the, the sons of God. Um, therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. The same thing happened to Jesus. So verse 2 now says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. So everybody that is called beloved in sonship of God is a, is a, 
has a position in fellowship or has, has found access into the ground of fellowship. Yes. Now, when they say now are we the sons of God, that now <clears throat> is a kind of arrival point of sonship with God. It actually means you've actually begun. When are you the sons of God? When the world knoweth you not. The, that word know is like Adam knew his wife. It's an intercourse. You no longer have intercourse with the world. The fornication. You no longer fornicate. The world no longer has an access to knowing you. And that's all the world. The world, the world wants to keep its knowledge of you. That's through the wine, that woman, Babylon, who is the mother of harlots and all the abominations of you, who commit fornications. That woman fornicates with the whole earth. Through her, she has an organization of fornication. It says that whom the kings of the earth had committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth have been made what? Wine, drunk with the wine of... So when we say earth, earth and wine and world have a relationship. What's the relationship between earth and the world? Simple. The world is the wine of the earth. Right, that's the... The, the, wor the world is the, is the drunkenness of the earth. And to, it wasn't like that from the beginning, but someone made it so. Someone designed everything about this woman, all of this, her program, her operations, everything, to make sure that she is able to keep the flow of wine. What is wine? Wine is a spore of love. Wine spores love. Right? Say, kiss me with the kisses of your lips, of, thy, of his mouth. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for thy love is better than wine. Wine. Love is an anything wine will do to you, love can do much more than that. If wine can make you give your money, love can make you give much more. If wine can make you dance, love can make you dance. If wine can make you sing, love will make you sing better. A better song. Anything wine will make you do, love will make you do it two, ten times better. Love is a wine. It's a strong wine. And the, and the wine that the world serves, oh my God. Oh my God. The wine of the world, the wine of the world, the wine of the world is, is terrible. It's terrible. Praise Jesus. Amen. So, so, and so that, that world, that wine disqualifies. Do you see that? So, but it says, now are we the sons of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be. So this is giving us a type of insight. You know, this, this verse is speaking about the, the manner of the love. You, know, you need to know the manner. It just, it's not just that the Father has given us love. We must learn the love. Yeah, the, the love has characteristics. There are key characteristics about the love and insight about this love as to be given. Praise Jesus. The, the, it says, now are we the sons 
of now are we the sons of God, they are describing, but it does not yet appear what we shall be. So there is, in this love fellowship, you can have a now state and a shall be state. Even though you are a son, you can be a son now, but there is more that you shall be. So when, the, when you open up the fellowship, the world of fellowship is a vast world. The world of fellowship of the Father's love is a what? Is a vast world. So, so when you, from the beginning point, there is a journey. It says, it does not yet appear what we shall be, right? But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. For we shall see him as he is. Now, glory to God. Hallelujah. We shall see him. So he's, he's speaking of a, a season of, of seeing him when he will begin to appear at a certain level that will cause a kind of scene of him for to be like him. Right, to be like him. The way you be like him is you must see him as he is. But, so it means that someone can be in fellowship with him, but not yet having seen him as he is. Or, I can put it another way, you, you might have seen him, but not seen him as he is. Amen. Are you seeing that? Say, as he is. As he is. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. When you say, as he is, that word, as he is, speaks of, is a state, is a perfect state. It's part of the Holy Ghost language to describe perfection. If you go to chapter 4, verse, verse 17, you know, verse 10 says, Here in his love, that's speaking of that now state to describe wherein is love. In verse 9, sorry, it says in verse 10, Here in his love that we love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sin. Then he moved on to verse 11, now began to speak about the fellowship, right? That if God so loved us, we ought then to love one another. So from the moment when you arrive at the, the ground of love, the season of love, you now begin to do an exercise in love. Right? There is a season of what? Exercise in love. <clears throat> when the exercising in love is loving one another. Loving one another. Why? Because no man has seen God at any time. So, that what no man has seen God. And this scene of God, this sight of God is an as he is state of God. Right? No man has seen him at any time. So, if we, but if we love one another, God has a way of dwelling in us for the purpose of 
perfecting his love. And his love is what? Perfected in us. Do you see that? That's before the state where you are able to see him as he is. Glory to God to prove that further in verse 17. He said that now hearing, they are now describing the perfect, the perfect state of love. That hearing is our love made perfect. Right? That this love, when it has arrived at the perfect state, of course, one of the things you will come into is a boldness in judgment. Anyone who has not attained perfect love will not have boldness in judgment. You wouldn't have arrived at what? At boldness. When you talk of bold, what do you mean of boldness? When you talk of boldness here, And then they speak of boldness for judgment. This judgment is not just talking about your own judgment. It's talking about perfect judgment. For perfect judgment requires a boldness level. What is boldness? It's boldness. Where you have to have boldness for the realm of life or the realm of love where perfection sits. That place is called the throne. And the throne can only be accessed with a boldness. You come boldly to the throne of grace. Right? There's a kind of boldness. That realm of the throne is a time, but it's not boldness of <laughs> it's a boldness of, of help. Uh, is the, the boldness of those who have been helped. Praise Jesus. Uh, amen. amen. So why would you come boldly to the throne? Because you have to come boldly. You have to come boldly to, re- to have boldness. Amen. amen. I'm sorry. It's Bible language. <laughs> you wouldn't understand what I just said until you, unless you have really... You've really learned Bible by the Spirit for a long time. You now understand how they write some things. When they say, for example, when they say godly, godly doesn't mean you have the attribute of God. It just means godly is how to get to God. The godly man is the Christ of God. It's the godly, right? It doesn't mean divine. It means godly. When you are coming boldly, you don't really have the boldness of the throne. You are, you, are, you are coming boldly to the throne. Right? It's the throne that will then give you mercy and make you find grace for the boldness. Amen. So, this, thank you, Father. Are we making any sense today? Praise God. So, so you see, hearing is love made perfect, right? That we may have boldness. So, when your love has become perfect, you have become a bold fellow. Is the boldness of love. Nobody can have this, be this bold if you don't have love in you. If you think that you are bold and you begin to come, as you are getting closer, your leg will begin to shake. You understand? Why? Because of the kind of things you begin to see as you are, as you are approaching the throne of God. 
The things you begin to see will make your feet begin to quake. Right? Do you know God? God, God, um, he, he triggers trembling. But there's trembling that is good trembling. There's also trembling. He, tri- he triggers trembling. Demons, they believe and tremble. When you, do you know that demons become meek when, God, when they're around God? There's actually there's a type. Of, even when they're blaspheming, with meekness. <laughs> do you get what I'm saying? The Bible says they believe and tremble. So now believers that there's one God, thou does well. The devils also believe and they will. They don't just believe, they also tremble too. They can be insulting God. God, no, you got what? Check their leg, their leg is shaking. Fear. Amen. And Jesus has not even fully, fully even inherited all of everything when he met that man of Gadara. You know that guy, all the demons, imagine the boast of those devils in that man. They feel like this, this place, this house, this, this man, who's going to take it from us? You know, now how did that man get to a point of being, being possessed by legions? He didn't start with, nobody gets possessed by legions. They, the Bible explained it to us. One will come first, check out. Is it? This place is they will go and call more. And they keep coming. That's how, before you knew it, the man was carrying legions of devils in him. And they all had league that they are going to what? Own that vessel. They, they couldn't believe anybody could take them out. But as soon as Jesus didn't even talk to them, just coming near them, what happened? Trembling, fear. They began to shout. They began to cry. They began to cry. He says, and they, they besought him that he would not command them to go into the deep. Praise God. These are, these, are, these are demons. You say, okay, they are demons. But it's true, it's the same thing. It's actually the same thing. Praise God. So that realm of the throne is a, is a realm of great fear. So for anybody who will come there, you can't come there by yourself. You will not be able to, to stand. The throne itself has to give you boldness. Has to make you strong. So anybody who is standing before the throne, right, for you to stand, or what they call it, standing in the judgment, according to Psalm 1. And that's one thing they said that the ungodly will not be able to do. When an ungodly fellow is coming before the throne, what will happen? Whatever feet they have for standing will give way. They can't stand. Amen. God, right, is... Thank you, Jesus. The throne, the throne itself has its own righteousness which it impacts to everybody who is coming. Right? So anyone who is bold in the throne must be bold in a dual way. is in a way that you are weak yet strong. Right? You are... So in other words, you are weak in yourself, 
weak by yourself, but you are strong with the strength of God. There's a way that they put their strength. They say, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. That's what they were dealing with Paul. They were trying to remove your strength. How, how, can we call, how, how can we make you extremely weak and extremely strong? Right? Extremely weak, extremely strong. That's, those are the kind of beings at the throne. When you see the throne, such a being, they will accept such a being. When they check that, you see a lamb, you see a lion. Right? You know the lion is a, is a, bold, is a, is a symbol of boldness. The lamb is a symbol of weakness, meekness. A lamb, when they looked at the throne in chapter 5, right, they saw a lamb as though it has been slain. That's this. A, a, a tiny little lamb, a lamb king that has been slain. That's the weakest thing you can ever see. Right? But when you are addressing him, actually that fellow you are looking at is the, is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Right? That lion. <laughs> Amen. So it means that what makes him the lion is a boldness as imparted. It's like David. David was the weakest man you ever find. But but somehow, he, was, he, became the, the, he became a symbol of God's dominion. Telling you that we take the weakest and we impart our strength into them. When we've done that, now you are qualified for the throne. So, and that's the meaning of the summary of the throne of David. Anyone you hear throne of David? Throne of David means a throne that's only compatible with beings with, with such a CV. Of weakness. A weak fellow that has been made strong by God. That is a David. Amen. So the, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. They when they say David, why they call him the root of David is they are telling you the DNA where from where he springs is Davidic. The spring of his dominion is Davidic. Amen. Amen. Or David springs from him. It's, it's actually, there's a way you can see it in both ways. Amen. Are you, are you getting what I'm trying to say to you? Praise Jesus. Amen. So this boldness of judgment here, see, hearing is our love made perfect, that we may have Boldness in the day of judgment, then you see that, that, word, that word, because as he is. Right? So are we in this world. So that as he is, is, is talking about the state of perfection in fellowship. When we get to a point in this world where we become as he is. In that state, our love has been made perfect. Right? So, but to become as he is, we must have gone through a season of seeing him as he is. Which is a season when he will appear as he is. It says that, but when we, it says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but 
we know that when he shall appear, what will happen? We shall what? Be like him. I love this. We shall be like him. For we shall see him. As if you are beginning to have a divine sense, this will register as a, as a glorious promise to you. It will register as what? A, a wonderful, a glorious. Your, your soul will long for this season. Your soul will long for this time. Your soul will long for, for a season where you are able to do what? Where you are able to see. Do you know what it means to see him as he is? Um, you, you will need to understand the power of this kind of sight. This kind of sight is not see and go. It's not observe and go. It's not like a fanciful scene. It's a transformational scene. It's a scene that produces likeness. Right? It's a scene, it's a scene of what? It's a scene that produces what? That likeness. This is the, the, is what the, is the real, not just, not the word real, it is the effective aspect of ministry, of fellowship, right, that, or, it is the, okay. It is the personal side. Is the personal side of of the fellowship. The fellowship has two sides. There is two sides of two. This fellowship. There is a, a season where. You learn the precepts of the fellowship. There's a time when you begin to see the spirit, right? But, or, let me say, I don't even know if I can call it fellowship. Because really, to be honest, fellowship is about persons. It's about what? So there are some times when you're reading some parts of the Bible, you have to know that they are, they are, what they are talking about here is not just about precept. It's talking about some kind of spiritual reality, some kind of encounter with a person which this precept is talking about. For example, Romans chapter 8. Right, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Right, who walk not after the flesh, but after every. When they begin to talk in this way, know that they are not talking about precepts here. When they say no condemnation, who walk not is not precept. Is not about walking. It's about learning. You learn and learn and learn and learn. The purpose of precept, learning precept, precept will now begin to tamper with your life. 
to give you chance to walk. Things will begin to happen around you because you are learning precept. They will do it by the, by the help of the Spirit, orchestration, providential dealings of the Spirit will begin to happen in your life to tamper with some moods and some things. Some prayers might stop working. Some necessity can be created. All manner of things will begin to happen it's so that this thing can start. When it's, when it's time to walk, you, we, in Christianity, we only walk in the Spirit. We don't walk anything. Right? We, we don't walk any other kind of walk. Right? <laughs> no other walk is, is permitted. As a Christian, you, where do you walk? Walk. You walk by faith and not by sight. We don't walk after the flesh. We walk after the spirit. How do you walk after the spirit? You live after the spirit. You walk in the spirit. To live after the spirit means to walk in the spirit. By walking in the spirit, you are living what? After the spirit. Amen. So, anybody who, to be able to walk not after the flesh, but to walk after the spirit, you must have received a kind of, of training. You are receiving a training that comes from a person. It's a spirit. The person who trains you here is called the Lord. That's who the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. Right? The Lord is my what? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Then there's an aspect of this leading aspect. Glory to God. Leading is very, very personal. Right? So glory, let's go back quickly to Romans chapter 8. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Um. Um, verse 2, it says, for the law of the spirit of life. Are you seeing it now? So the reason why there is no condemnation to those who walk after the spirit is because the law of the spirit of life, where? They are telling you is in the person. Right? In the person, in the deposit, in the nature of the person. Do you see that? There is what you call, there is a knowledge of Christ. Then there is the spirit of Christ, or what you call, there is the knowledge of life in Christ. But there is the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, that's actually what will rot the freedom on the inside. Will make you free from the law of sin and death. Are you seeing that? For, for what the Lord could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in likeness of sinful flesh and for sin did what condemned sin. So, so this is talking about the spirit, right? The spirit of life in Christ. Then this one has his elder dealing which is talking about another spirit it's, which is called the perfect law in James the perfect law of liberty, right? And he said that whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a 
do. And when they are talking of doing, is spirit. Doing is always spirit. All right? Is a doer of the work. This, this man shall be the word blessed in his deed. So, whosoever look at. So, when you are looking into the perfect law, what you might not see is that because they didn't use the word spirit here, like in Romans 8, you might not see it. You might think this law is knowledge. It's not knowledge, right? This law is not knowledge. Um, knowledge is. This is continuing therein. Be not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. The same shall be blessed in what he does. Amen. Amen. Now, when you're talking of this, not being a forgetful hearer, being a looker. Looketh. Looking is actually a, a behavior, an attitude of response to appearance. Right, is how you, you respond to an appearance. When the person appears, he, he should captivate your gaze, make you begin to look, begin to look. This looking is the continuation of looking is the, um, is the response, the, the attitude, is the behavior for, for an affection, affecting of change, looking. Second Corinthians chapter 3. Now, it says, tell you, to explain what that spirit is, the Lord is that spirit. Right, it's, it's, not, it's personalizing that this is not precept, it's personalizing it. That, that this is a so when we are talking about actually appearance, all that, don't think it's not a vision, no. Appearance is a spirit you look into, right? Is is actually is a is a, it's not it's not desired as looking. Vision can come, and maybe you see Jesus physically can appear to you, and you see it somehow that will not do affect this thing. The eye that must see him is the eye of the soul. And when the soul, when you're seeing a vision of Jesus, what you see is the figure of a man. When the soul sees Jesus, it's not a figure of man. The soul doesn't think in those terms. The soul will see what is inside him. Is his soul looking in your soul looking into his soul? When your body is seeing vision, you'll be seeing his outward visage and all that. And Jesus can appear in that way and he will talk to you. He can give you instruction. A lot of people have had encounters with such. Maybe he will talk to you about some ministry, if you're a pastor and all of that. A lot of ministers of the gospel have, have seen Jesus in that way. A lot of them have seen Jesus in that way. Jesus will appear to them, call them, go and preach. Go and do. You can have that kind of an experience, but that's not this kind of appearance. What has actually seen Jesus is and out is, is mainly the outward man. Is a representation of him which your brain can digest and which you can take. It's mainly the outward man. But when the inward man sees Jesus, the inward man doesn't see his outward man. It's, his, it's your inward man seeing his inward man. Is your soul seeing his soul. 
And when your soul is seeing the soul of Jesus, what will your soul be seeing? Is a spirit. Because his soul is a spirit. Are you seeing that? So now, that's this Lord now. He's saying, the Lord. The Lord. And Jesus' soul is like dynamic. His soul can produce multiple appearances at different levels. Do you know that? Is that man, Christ Jesus, has many appearances in him. He has, appearance, he has an appearance of the Lord. He has the appearance of the Lord Almighty. He also has the likeness of God. Which, do you understand what I mean? He can, whichever he wants, whatever he wants your soul to see, his own soul will form the appearance, their spirit, which is responsible for the animation of their person, will create that appearance and your soul will begin to see. And when you are seen, it will be like reading a law. Right, you're reading the Lord. That's what it means looking unto. So now the Lord is that spirit. Glory to God. Amen. 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 Praise God. Hallelujah. Are you blessed today? Yes, Do you feel blessed? Yes, Amen. Amen. This is a kind of Valentine's Day celebration, right? Yes, is there anything else that we need from there's nothing else? What's that? Praise God. I'm not saying you can't celebrate after. Maybe if you go home, you can also celebrate. But Or maybe you guys have all celebrated already. It's possible. Praise God. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? So you're saying that, so this spirit of the Lord is, the, is what produces that liberty. Right? Lordship for liberty. Right? There is, you, if you, the Lord produced liberty. The spirit of the Lord produced liberty. Right? The spirit of the Lord Almighty produces perfect liberty. So the perfect law of liberty is, all, is actually an appearance of a, of a person, of the soul of Jesus that projects his perfect law. That's Jesus' soul can project the spirit, his spiritual law and it can, it can also project his word, his perfect law. But, the, but being able to, this one is talking about the projection of his perfect law. To have access to this one, it is hidden, it's a special access. It's actually special. This is reserved for people who have entered a certain kind of fellowship. It's a, a certain word, kind of word, a certain kind of fellowship. Is actually the fellowship of the perfect law. Glory to God. <laughs> the perfect is the, uh, the fellowship of what? The, uh, what is the perfect law? Is the law that perfects 
love. Is the law wherein love is perfected? Is the law of judgment? Right. Glory to God is, is the law of fellowship. Amen. Amen. So um, back to First John chapter two, chapter three, First John three. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. So, our beloved, now are we the sons of God? It does not yet appear what we shall be, for, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like. So you now understand. I've described what His appearance is to you, right? When he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall do what? For we shall see him as he, or in his perfect state. Now verse 3 says, every man that hath this hope in him, not every man has the hope in him, but everyone that has it, the hope in him, purified himself. As he is pure. So it's clear. This purification is not, this is not talking about sanctification, right? This is not trying to cleanse you from the world. This is those, because the purpose of cleansing you from the world or clean, removing the world from you is to, for you to have this hope in you. Is Christ in you the hope of glory? For you to have the, this, this hope they are talking about here is the hope of glory. This appearance is the glorious appearance. Right? Do you agree with that? It's the appearance of the Savior, Jesus Christ. In Titus, I think it's Titus chapter 2, they spoke about that right there. He calls it the blessed hope. It's the same thing. Hope of glory. It's the blessed hope. And what he called this hope in 1 John chapter 3. Right? It says looking for that blessed hope and the glorious word appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. Praise God. So... So if you go back, so every man that, once you have this hope, so you just finish, let's say, they've removed, you've dealt with the world. And when the world has been dealt with, it means that you have escaped the pollutions. Right? That are in the world. Let's see Peter quickly. Um... Verse 4, right? Second Peter 1 verse 4. That whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. That's by this exceeding great and precious promises you might be partakers of the divine nature 
but it's having escaped the corruption. That is where, through what? So if you don't escape the corruption that's in the world through lust, Let's quickly open to First Peter, chapter one, just to see it from different places. Praise God. Praise God. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. Are, we, are you blessed? Yes, sir. Are you sure? Yes, sir. Okay, okay. Praise God. Um, First Peter chapter, chapter 1, right? Verse 22. It says that seeing you have purified your souls in doing what? Obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. That's, that's a first purification. This pur- that purification is called sanctification. All right? it's, the, it's the first purification of, with the truth, the truth of Christ, which you must obey through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the word. Brethren, then you now say, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. In what season do you begin to do that? This one is talking about this kind of pure heart is another kind of purification of love. Is higher than the purification of faith. There is a, there's a first purification of faith to produce the, the first fruit of love, which is called charity, is a purification that faith will, will give you. That is trying of your feet being made much more precious than gold that perishes, tried with fire, and be found unto praise, honor, and glory at the appearance of Jesus. So there is a purification of faith which you have in Christ to produce the first fruit of love. Once that fruit of charity is the proof that your soul has gotten into fruit bearing capacity. Right? So there is the purification. To make you, to to of a to or to a point to make you a bit fertile, right? Then, 
Once you have, your soul has gained capacity for love, that charity is, an, is a sign that you can be admitted into the realm of fellowship. Right? You can, they can bring your soul into fellowship with the father and his son. But you see that realm, that ground of fellowship with the father and the son is also a ground of purification. It's another ground of purification. It is the, it's for to attain the purity of love. There is a purity of faith which Christ will, the, right, the, the spirit of the Lord will bring. Or the law of the spirit of life in Christ will bring about that. But then once you have arrived at the ground of love, there is what you call the purification of love. And the exercise for purification of love is in the loving of one another. Loving of what? Of one another. Say one another. So when they're saying love one another fervently with a pure heart, if that is the... Is therein is your love perfected, right? Is in the, is the, the way you, you perfect love in fellowship is by you loving one another what, with a pure heart. So it's, there's a, a kind of purification. That what, so purification for what? When they are teaching you to love one another in fellowship for purification is a preparation to do what, sir? For perfection. What is that? What, what release are you being purified for? You get purified to do what, sir? To see him as he is. Because it's he that has this hope in him that purified himself. First John chapter 3, back there, verse 3. It says that every man that hath this hope in him, it's the hope of glory is the hope to, to see him as he is. Everyone that has that hope of seeing him as he is, purified himself, not the first purification. This is another standard of purification. When you're being purified in Christ, you're not being purified as he is pure. He's pure. <laughs> The purification of Jesus is more than dealing with the world. That when you check Jesus, when you finish dealing with the world, worldliness in you, then you now take that state of dealing, having been purified from the world. And they now want to compare you with Jesus. It's called that Jesus is purer than you. There are other things beyond the world that makes that constitute impurity to the soul because you, the, you have changed the standard when you say this man is pure this is a pure man they can check him and approve him yeah he's a pure man but bring a pure man to stand on the divine ground and ask the question again is this being pure say no this is because you have brought a different standard you're talking about the purity of the divine So you now realize that man wasn't created in a pure state. Adam was not pure. 
So don't think of purity alone as just removing of, right? So, there are things that can make someone not pure. There is, there, there is sanctification will bring a type of purity, right? The kind of purity sanctification will give you is sanctification from unclean things. Right? It's uncleanliness. It's to make you sanctified from uncleanliness. It's to remove uncleanness from the soul. But after removing uncleanness, you can, something might be clean. There might not be uncleanness there, but there can be impurities. Impurity is different from not being clean. Right? When you take gold and then that is, that you've removed all the rubbish from the earth crust from it. Right? In a way, that gold has been tried with fire and all of that. You can say this is a pure gold. But, but you can take that gold and then take it. It's gold. Pure gold. It means you move, removed different things. Right? Anything that is unclean, you remove it. What, what, what is the standard of uncleanness? Unclean just means something that's not precious. Not of a precious kind of nature. You understand? It doesn't have pressure. So let's say you mix. What can you mix? Go and mix iron or something. Let's say you mix iron inside with gold. Right? Or bronze or something. Copper. Let's say you have copper. Mix it. Copper is an uncleanness. Because it's not a precious metal. So you remove that. But let's say you take, you have gold that is like that. Then you now take silver that is also unclean. You clean the silver. So the silver is now clean because silver is also a kind of preciousness. But it's not the preciousness of gold, right? So both the gold and the silver are no longer unclean because they are in precious state. So when you take that gold, no, unclean. They now take the and now alloy the gold with silver. You know, in that picture, there is no uncleanness, but that gold is now impure. Is you can't call it pure gold. It's not pure gold because there is another nature there. So, even though the nature you alloyed it with is not an unclean nature, right? But that gold is no longer pure. You have a mixture of natures. So, in your journey of salvation, after dealing with your uncleanness, they now begin to deal with the nature problem. That this nature of a man is not pure. If you bring him into fellowship, of the divine. They can detect there's another kind of entity here, nature that's not of the divine nature. Yes, sir. 
When you bring charity and throw charity into the realm of that fellowship, charity is, does not have uncleanness. Charity is a state where you no longer touch the unclean thing. You have been delivered from the unclean thing. You no longer have sins. You have been set free from the world. Right? But when you now bring it, when, when in, the, in the ground of fellowship where you're trying to perfect the love of the Father, if you now you begin to live by a charity standard in that state, right, they will, it will begin to show that no, 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 no. This is the love of another, another nature. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? <laughs> is the love of what? Is the love of another nature. It's not, a, it's not an unclean nature. It's just another. But it's, and it's lesser. Right? So after escaping the corruption that is in the world through loss. What are the impurities? It's loss. That the things that are in the world, loss and pride, right? So after escaping the uncleanness that's in the world, in that second Peter, the corruption that's in the world through loss, they now have to make you a partaker of the divine nature. That, you see, the promise of becoming partaking of the divine nature is, not, is higher than the promise of escaping corruption. You need another kind of mind to, to evaluate that promise and to receive that promise. Right? It, that's why it's called exceeding great and premature promises. There are some very nice spiritual souls. When you bring this promise to them, they don't see it as anything. Because they are so preoccupied with corruption, dealing with corruption. And it's not bad to deal with it. Because if you have it, it has to be dealt with. Deal with it, man. Why should you deal with corruption? Because what? It disqualifies. In fact, the reason why you are not seeing this promise as exceeding great and precious because there is still corruption. So it means that if you are if you're in that state where all that's before you is all your corruption. You're not understanding what oh, this what's even the point of all this divine, all these things is quickly deal with your corruptions. It's a sign that you still need to deal with what? The world. The world is still you still the world still has your attention. You can't think about divine nature when the world has your attention. You have you have the attention of worldly things. You you still care about lusts. And Somewhere, so and the, out of all the things that are in the world, the difficult one is the pride of life. In the process of dealing with your soul in Christ, they can deal with the lust of the eyes and, and the pride of life. I'm sorry, and the lust of the flesh. The things that flesh wants to have, you can get to a point where you curtail that flesh and say, flesh, we are not here for you. I wasn't born for you. I'm not going to live for you. That's the spiritual man. 
a spiritual man is someone who can tell his flesh down. Flesh say, we, we want this. Shh, shh. <laughs> My life was, is not for you. I'm so sorry. Lost, say lost of the flesh. <laughs> lost of the flesh is lost is lost of is the lost of the outward man. Right. Is the is the lost of the outward. Lost of the say lost of the flesh. Is the is the lost of the external. When you are externally conscious, taking care of the external things, you understand. Lost, that's lost of the flesh. There is also lost of the eyes. Lost of the eyes is different. It's things that catch your attention. The way lost of the eyes operates is different from lost of the flesh. Lost of the eye, you can deal with lost of the flesh, but lost of the eyes actually is different. The reason is because the eye can catch, capture interest in things beyond where the flesh can reach. Lost of the flesh feels it's more immediate. I can. The eyes is different. The eyes, lost of the eyes. <laughs> right? How you tell a person is dealing with loss of the eyes is, the, is disturbance. Constantly disturbed. You can't bring some things around them without tampering with their equilibrium. Maybe they are just doing something now. Satan will just, the world will just bring some things, some flashy stuff, some nice stuff. Maybe, maybe somebody who is decked with some kind of things of this world just comes around. Balance just shifts from the soul. The soul just becomes unstable. Things begin to... Are you getting what I'm trying to say? From nowhere, some kind of grammar will just come out that doesn't... That that fellow doesn't normally speak because of different things. Pace of oscillation will just begin to go out of... You understand what I mean? I didn't, do you know to, to feel the oscillation of his soul? His soul can be oscillating... With a, with a nice cadence. And you're thanking God, ah, this soul is not stable. Ah, God, you are too much. Hey, see this fellow, this fellow has become so stable. You just watch the oscillation. Just like this. The, the, peri the period is constant. A constant period of oscillation. But what will happen? The world will just to remind you that this soul has not been fully saved. Something will just happen. Something in the environment. For what will happen? The soul begins to. It's because the soul has just seen something. Lost of the eyes. It means the eye has not been healed. The eye can still be called by, by corruption, by corrupt, impure things, by vanity. It means vanity can still. The eyes can still be attracted by vanity. But, but they need to purify the soul to a point where there's nothing. Bring anything in this world. There's nothing the eyes will see that can shift the soul. Anything you bring, the soul will just calculate it equal to vanity. There's nothing here. Vanity. No matter how flashy it is, no matter how 
the soul just is equal to vanity. It's just vanity. It's just vanity. The, the, the soul just keeps oscillating in, the, in its place and its point. That soul has been helped. You understand what I mean? So loss of the flesh can, flesh can be dealt with. Loss of the flesh is talking more about expediency of, of, of need. It's different. That one is more aggressive than loss of the eyes. Praise God. Now, but one thing you call the pride of life. The pride of life. The thing with the pride of life is that it's not trying to it's not trying to do anything. It just wants to stay there. Do you understand what I mean? It just it just wants to stay there. It just it's not like lost of the eyes. No lost means pool. They didn't say they didn't call it the lost of life. No, it's not, it, it doesn't operate like pool. When someone is, <laughs> when a lost is in operation, you, you, you can easily smell it. Hey! Why? Because of change of oscillation, behavior. The person begins to do, make some calls, just phone activity increases. You understand? <laughs> That's how you know lost is, as, either the eye has seen something, or the, the flesh has, has sensed, placed a demand, an impulse from the world has been sent into the flesh. Activity on the phone increases. What happens? Different, different things begin. Just different. You know what I'm talking about. You know, everybody knows it. Praise God. Amen. But pride is, pride, pride will just stay there. Pride will just say, I'm not disturbed. Don't disturb me. I'm not disturbing you. Don't disturb me. I, I just want to, I just want, all I want is my place in this world. And the promise of that place, leave it untouched. Right? It's the pride of life. That pride of life has to do with someone's orientation of putting value in the life which the world offers. You get is a sense of, of is a sense of personal value where you still evaluate, where you can still measure yourself, and give yourself some some equate some value to your person, because of things in the world. Maybe you have some money in your account. It can be that. It's not you're using it for something. You understand what I mean? If that money, if, it's, if you have loss of the eye, I'm proud of life, and if you have loss of the eyes or loss of the flesh, and you have some money in your account, it will begin to talk to your loss. It will tamper with your vibration. But if you don't have those loss, but you still have pride of life, that money will be okay there. But, but that money has a kind of value in your soul that is not pure. That's the money example. It can be your, your good looks. How nice you are. How pretty you are. How handsome you are. We must do everything, but let's not touch that thing. That's, when I say touch it, I'm, I'm not talking about you become ugly. I mean your enjoyment of it. <laughs> or not even enjoyment. It's good to enjoy being looked. If God blesses you with good looks, I enjoy. I'm not talking about, I'm talking of ascribing a value to it. 
that is not. You go them because it's vain. Beauty is vain. Charm is deceitful. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Have you read that one before? <laughs> yeah, bless him. Also. Yeah, give blessed by <laughs> Oh, Praise God. So that thing, pride of life is just, it's talking about your, when you still put value in vain things that the world has, right? In the, the vain things that the world has. You can, somewhere in your mind, you still, it can be your education, right? It can be your career, something, the value that, that's the, you see, the, what, when you say pride, pride is a, is a wrong estimation of value. It's a wrong estimation of worth. You understand? That's what makes you proud. Wow, I have this. You have something. You don't have something. That thing you have is, is vanity. But you feel that it's something. Right? That's pride. So that one, that one is a more difficult one. See, that, that, that one, a lot of times, is the, is the last, the most difficult spot to remove in the feast of charity. You can see souls who have dealt with the corruption of, their, of lust. They are no longer lustful. But if the, when there's still pride, means when you still have put value on the things of the world, it will show up in the feast of charity, in the place of charity. Charity will not be able to flow the way it's supposed to flow you, because of that thing. Is still, that's the last one to deal with. It's the pride of life. It's a pride of life. So the things that you are putting wrong value in are things that have to do with the, the world offers. Now, it so can be healed from the pride of life. Right? Where you don't, if, if it's your, your looks or whatever, you thank God, you enjoy, but <laughs> you know that this thing is actually nothing. That this, there's nothing really. Is it your career, your job, whatever it is? It means nothing to you. You, know, you can go to school, while you are in the school, you do it well, but it doesn't, it's not, you're not estimating some kind of value to it that it's not. Do you get what I'm trying to say? A soul can be healed from that one. Right? And that when you are, you've been healed from all those things, when you see world, it's blank to you. There's, nothing, there's really nothing here for you. That's you've been dealt with the what, impurities that are in the world. That is a season where it's a sign you're getting ready for fellowship. Right? If so that has gotten there, it means you have you are beginning to knock on the door of the beginning. That you want to you have that you have gotten free from all the things that sin brought to distract man and all of the, you have got him through you are now you're not, you're, you're ready to come back to the to the ground of the presence of God to start that's the that's the beginning point are you getting what I'm saying that's the, so the, so, such a fellow you can admit such a fellow into you know what I'm saying because you've pres- the credential you present at the door of this fellowship is charity you say, this is my proof. I can carry on love without spot. Right? I, can, I can do love. 
Right? That's what charity. Charity is a proof that you can do love. Actually, charity, God will not take charity as a fruit and eat it. Because it, it doesn't, it, it can't eat the fruit of your nature. But it's a proof to him that you can do love. That if, they, if he now brings his own love to you, you can do it. Because of corruption has been dealt with. Are you seeing that? So when he says, that which was from the beginning. So that from the beginning is when they began to see. You know, I'm not talking about when they start preaching the message to you. While you are still dealing with lust of the eye, they can be preaching everlasting life. You'll be hearing it. And you'll be, you'll be hearing, you'll be understanding. Spirit of wisdom and revelation will be there. You'll be understanding it. You will know the scripture. You will, you will understand the precepts of it. But that is still, it's preparation. It's preparation for you. But while you're understanding everlasting life and eternal life, check, check what? Your loves. Because stack up all the scripture, all these precepts, stack them up. If you still have love of the world, you will wait and wait. They won't admit you into fellowship. Fellowship is the life. You go and say, fellowship is not, I have revelation of Fellowship is a love. Are you going to love? Do you love divinity? Do, the, the, okay. Can you love the divine way of living? Do you get what I'm trying to say? You can't tell me you want to love the divine way when you've not loved charity. <laughs> you've not loved your brethren. Whatever is painful to you to make you that stopping you from loving the brethren, when they bring the demand of charity, of the divine nature to you, you know, is a more painfully painful kind of pain. You actually will not like it. You know, I've explained to you, you can enjoy the revelation but not like it. Uh-huh. That one you don't like, that's the fellowship. You understand? I mean, the, the, the one you don't like, you enjoy the revelation. We'll talk about, well, the realm of the prophet, the realm of the inheritance and all that. You like the scripture, but, but the one you don't like is the demand to live a certain way. Do you get what I'm saying? It's, it's the... Demand to live with a, in a death mode. That death mode of life that they want to make you live. That state. You now discover that your heart will fail even when you think about living that way. If the world is still in you. Right? That's the meaning that you will not have that hope. It's the hope of glory. Completely dealing with the world is the for, it's only the formation of Christ. That's when you say Christ has been formed in a man. Is that the prince of this world will found nothing in you. There is no longer space for his corruption because of the formation of Christ. Then when the Christ has been formed, say, my little children, for whom I travail again in birth, until Christ is formed. And when Christ has been formed, it becomes the hope of glory. Christ in you, the 
the hope. What is the hope of glory? Hope of glory is you begin to develop taste board for the glorious living. Glorious living, the glorious life, the divine life. You, you get taste for 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 you, you develop taste for post-crucifixion living. When I say crucifixion, I'm talking about crucified with Christ. Right? He said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. What is post-crucified living? It's, it's the way you will begin to live after you have died. Right? That is, it's, it's, a, it's a cross. It's on the other side. It's life on the other side. Right? It's life on the other side. That's when you've crossed into fellowship. You, have, you want to now begin to live. You want to take the liveth credential. You've done the was dead. Right? You've, you've passed from death unto life. Because you love the brethren. That's First John chapter 2. Right? Because you've loved the You can never pass from death unto life if you have not loved the brethren. That is the credential. That passing over is an entrance into what? Into the fellowship. Fellowship of life. Amen. Glory to God. <clears throat> Thank you. So he says, verse 3 quickly, that every man that had this hope in him does what? Purifies himself even as he is pure. Even as he is pure. Glory to God. Amen. 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 Thank you, Father. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Thank you. So in the, in the, re, in the realm of fellowship, right, you see it's the, it's, for the, it's the place of perfection of love. The perfection of what? The perfection of love. Perfection of love. So, when a, a person begins to fellowship with the Father, that state of initiation of fellowship is what we call beginning. Right, that's the beginning. You're, you've just begun. Right, you're, you've begun. Begun what? You've begun to live. Now, are, now we see that every, all the living we are doing before is not really living. You're, if you are, when you are living and you have vanity in you, you are not really living. You are, when you are, you are living with the world inside, you're not living actually. Like you're not, it's not really life actually. You're not really living. You're not living. You're not, you're not living. Why, why am I saying you're not? You're, not, you're actually you are in bondage. It's like saying Israelites were living in Egypt. They were not living in Egypt. That's not life. It's not in the real sense of what life should be. Israel in Egypt were not living. They were just instrument doing the bead, the bead of, of an Egyptian king. They had no originality of life. 
In other words, what they were doing in Egypt for 400 and something years had no meaning. It was just, it has nothing to do with their purpose or their destiny or what, why they are raised as a people. You can't call that living. Can you call that living? The people of God, prophetic nation, who are made for God. to serve. They have a destiny, a great destiny in God. Where in Egypt, fetching wood, doing this, doing that, eating garlic, eating cooking. But, but in a sense, that's living. In terms of what they knew as life, because their circumference of life was so tiny, they can't think of anything more than that. So that's the way it is. A soul in bondage to loss. This loss I just described on the prayer. You think you are living life. Oh, you are doing this. Anybody that comes to talk against that loss, you fight them. You go, you understand what I mean? You war against them because you are designed to protect your loss. Like Israel was fighting Moses. Moses wanted to make them leave. But they were fighting him. Praise God. So the point where living starts, that's the beginning. That's the beginning. Amen. Amen. And that's where God wants to bring us to. Some of us, we don't have, if you've not entered that fellowship, you don't have that kind of sense yet. Right? You know, the Christianity has been defined by dealing with your, your, your corruption and vanity. But another, when you, know, you begin to wake up every day, you're not thinking of lust and pride. That's not your thinking of. You are, you are, your life becomes about something else entirely. It's about the divine nature. The nature of God. That's what, what you're doing. So what, what, are you, what are you doing in your life? Is the nature of God. It's just about the nature of God. It's learning the name, perfecting love. Right? Perfecting love in fellowship. You're subjecting yourself to that. Say he that had this hope in himself, purified himself, even as he is pure. Is to subject yourself to God. To remove the impurity of your nature that is not divine. That's another way of living entirely. It's another life word entirely. The feeling of living in that place, that the feeling of living there is, imagine waking up every day with, with assurance, definiteness, that you are now doing what you are made to do. The, f- the confidence that my life is now counting. That, wow, this is what a man was meant, this is how, what a man should be doing. I'm now doing what a man should. You know, man wasn't made to, f- to be dealing with lust and pride and all that. Pride of life. That's not, that's, that's a falling, that's not life. When you now begin, you started, you've begun. Do everything in your lifetime. To, at least, first of all, get to that ground. At the barest minimum, at least get to that ground. 
Praise God. Fellowship with the Father. Anybody in that place is fellowshipping with the Father and the Son. At in a mode, right? At a level. Amen. I need to just move on quickly. Thank you, Jesus. We give you glory. We give you glory. We give you glory. Bless you, Father. Hallelujah. So, in the book of Revelation, I think we got to Revelation um, last Wednesday, and um, we began to see that church, the first church, Ephesian church, right? Um, let's just quickly read it. Ephesians, sorry, Revelation chapter chapter 2. It says, unto the, the angel of the church of Ephesus, right, that these things said he that holdeth the seven stars in what? In his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, that I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and thou, how thou canst not bear them that are evil. Uh, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and, has, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. It says, Nevertheless, I have some, somewhat against thee, because thou hast done what? Thou hast left thy first love. Thou hast left thy first love. Because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen. And repent, 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 repent. Praise God. And do the first works. Let me tell you something. Do you know that the reason why they begin to reveal these things to you is, is to entice your soul. Do you understand? To do what? Is to entice, to entice your soul. Your soul, you need to be enticed into these works and into this love. The enticement, the pool that this conversation has will hasten your journey. Right, it will begin to do what to hasten your journey, amen. amen. And there are those who are listening to me who this message is your message because God has helped you deal with the world. Why is it? You don't believe. The world is nothing. <laughs> if you see the world as something, it's because some, someone has lied to you. I'm out of our company. I mean, if you want to count how many people have been able to overcome the world, maybe worldwide in this company, there won't be few. There are not few. There can't be few. 
And it's good to have a sense of what God is doing. So you won't feel like this is just storytelling or something. It's not storytelling, no. It's not true. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Father. So, praise God. So remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the what, the first works, <clears throat> or else I will come unto thee and thee quickly and remove thy candlestick out of its what place, except thou repent. So, this church. Um, so we say that this church have gained access into the place of fellowship, and evident by the fact that they are, they have a candlestick where the candlestick in the presence of God, of Jesus. Let me use the word Jesus now. Right? In the, you know, Jesus is a, is a bringer of the presence of God. It's an extension. He's the one who he brings the presence. When you're talking of him appearing, Right, actually, he appears that this other appearance, as he is, appears in the presence of God. But he himself is a bringer of the word of the presence. So, so Jesus, the the Lord we saw in Revelation chapter one, who stood. He's the one who was saying, "I'm Alpha and Omega." Verse 8, you see that. It said, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. Saith the Lord, which is, which was, and what, which is to come, the Almighty. Then let's see. Verse 11, it says, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. Praise God. You've seen the first and the last. Alpha and Omega, first and the last. The previous one said, Alpha and Omega, beginning and the ending. So, beginning is first, right? Ending is last. Beginning is Alpha, end is Omega. Right? I said, I am, I remember from last time I was saying to you that this place is just stating the credential of this man. And everything they are saying about this man is relevant to the churches. Praise God. So he said, I'm Alpha and Omega, first and the last. Now, John was looking at him and I said, what, the, what thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and unto what? 
Laodicea, right? Then, and I turn to see, so it says, what thou seest. This is specifically about the message to the seven churches. Right? What thou seest. Right? To the seven churches. Then he says, I turn to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with what? A garment down to the foot and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were like were white like wool, his white as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they bound in a furnace, and his voice as the word sound of many waters, as the sound of many waters. And he he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shined in his strength. So his, his own countenance was as the, word, the, the shining of the sun. Right? The shining. How the sun shining in its strength, its intensity, so does he shine. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying, I, Unto me, fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. Now write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. The mystery of the seven stars, which thou sawest in my right hand, is explaining himself. And the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are seven churches. Now, I want you to see this image here is actually it's a showing of the, like I said before, it's the zone of fellowship of divine fellowship in this zone the world is past right what has passed and now we to put it is darkness is past and the true word, light, now shine it. First John 2, again a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true, where? In him and in you. Because the darkness is past, and the word true light. Now, when they, when they say true light, now shine it. There is a place where true light now shineth. When the true light is shining, what comes out of the true light? Truth. Truth are the light rays of him that is true. When you say true, the state of true 
is as he is. Or perfect. Another word for true light is perfect light. The perfect light. From true light, truth shineth. Truth comes out. And the truth, so truth are all the rays that you find in the realm of perfect light. Those rays are what is responsible of the journey to perfection in this realm. Or it's those rays of light that are responsible for journeying from beginning to the end. So if you want to summarize between, between what you find from beginning to the end, you will find from beginning to end are the culmination of all the light rays that are emitted from the true light. So what is the realm of fellowship is the place where the true light shineth. Or where the true light ministers is the is actually the presence. What we say the presence of God is the church of the true light. It's the zone of the true light. It's the place where the true light ministers. So this, the true light now shining, is a picture. So you see that picture of Jesus at the center, right? Is a picture of, it says, as the sun shineth in strength. Right? If you want to just think about it, because this is a graphical representation. These are things that John saw. So the best way for you to understand and the best way for you to read this, oh my God. That clock was deceiving me. Amen. The best way, so we're almost done. Amen. Praise God. The best way for you to understand how to read Revelation chapter 1 is, by, is to see it. Right? That's the best way for you to understand it. You have to understand it by seeing it. Because these are, it's a, it's a graphical, it's a vision of some sort which John was seeing. So if you want to summarize what they are describing here, this man who they just described, hair as white as wool, his eyes as a flame of fire, hair as white like wool, white as snow, feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, furnace, right? Amen. Then his right hand, stars, stars in his right hand. And standing his own countenance as the sun shining in strength. And standing in the midst of candlesticks. What, is, what do you call that? That's a fellowship of light. Every part, entity of that fellowship is a light bearing entity. Right, it's that. This is the, is a picture of what fellowship, and then what are the what are the the characteristic of that fellowship? In in that zone of fellowship, you find the perfect light, the true light there standing. Then you will now find 
entities who have light destiny which have found a ground of standing in the presence of this entity. And those entities, they call them candlesticks. But interesting about the candlesticks is it doesn't talk about the light of the candlesticks. It doesn't say they are lighted. It, doesn't, it didn't say candlesticks with fire. So that tells me that these are churches that have the potential to be a light. That's what a candlestick is. It has the capacity to, to bear light and it has found a place to stand in the presence. Amen. Amen. So, the perfect picture will be those candlesticks burning. Right? When the, all the candlesticks are ablaze, then that fellowship is complete. Do you see that? But I have somewhere, somewhere inside of me, I have a feeling that there, there's a problem in the picture. The, why did they speak about lampstand without talking? Because they are, they are describing everything, describing Jesus, his eyes burning with fire. If there's, a, there's fire on the candlesticks, would they not describe it? The same way they describe when they spoke about the throne in chapter 4. And I saw seven lamps of fire burning before the throne. So there was something about this lampstand that has not made their lamp to be, to, to be burning. Amen. And what is the purpose of fellowship? Fellowship, first of all, is for the giving of light. First of all, for the giving of light. Do you see that? What did I say? It's for the giving of light, sir. It's for the giving of light. It's for light. A light. It's a particular light. It's the light of truth. The light of truth. Right? It's to make the lamp born with a divine light. Right? To make the, the, the lamp stand, right, born with what? A divine light. Amen. Amen. So, <laughs> in him, his hand, are stars. Those seven stars are seven angels. What are angels? Messengers. They are messengers to the churches. And they are lights. If they are messengers to the churches, so they are, they are messengers of fellowship. 
I have a feeling that their message will not be much different from what John was saying. Because John is a type of an angel. John, do you get what I'm trying to say? John is what? It's a type of what? Of an angel. So the messengers in the hand of God, praise God, are bearers of the message from him, right? Who is the, um, the Bible calls him, and from Jesus, the faithful witness. That faithful, it called him the faithful witness, it calls him the first begotten from the dead. Praise God. That's verse five of First John chapter one, it says, um, John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Do you see that? Grace be unto you and peace from him that which he is. So if they are saying John to the seven churches, John is a messenger to the churches. Do you see that? And then in, when, in, when the message started opening, it now, it, the message now began to say, to the angel of the church, to the angel of the church, it is to the messenger of the church. Is the, 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 the message is coming through the messenger. But chapter 1 is telling that, that John is a message conduit. means he's a type of a messenger. He has a credential of a messenger. Do you get what I'm saying? So, so this John, amen, Say, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be upon you and peace from him which is, which was, and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are, you see that, before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead. It says, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and has washed us from our sins in what his own blood. Glory to Jesus are you seeing that? So, John is a bearer of message. So this message is a type of message of fellowship. It follows the, 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 the is a message of what you minister in fellowship. The thing you minister in fellowship, in summary, is about the perfection of love. Right? If you want to summarize, you can summarize the seven churches into the first church. The Bible is that way. If you want to check what's the secret of every chapter, every book, or every chapter, check the first, cha- check the first chapter. It's the kind of secret of the Bible. Every book, check the first chapter. What it, what's in the first chapter will open up in the rest. A lot of times, when you check, read the chapter, check the first verse, first two verses, first three verses. It gives you a sense of what was being spoken about. You get what I'm saying? That, that the purpose of that fellowship is for, for, that, for that love. Do you see that? And that fellowship, John was giving a message 
to write to them, right? And then those message was broken down into different, you got what I mean, specifics. You can go into the specific of each church. You begin to see, tie them that everything you are talking about has to do with some kind of failure in love. Good. Every failure is a love failure. It has to do with love not having been perfected. That's why those things will happen. If not, if not perfected, when you've not perfected love properly, those, all those things will happen. When you've not received, when you, you're not, you've not received the full sight of love. If love, the, the visage of love has not fully opened, the tiny part of love you see, you'll be doing it. But you will leave many other things what? undone. So one of the, the, the primary things you'll find in fellowship is light. It's the most flawed zone of fellowship with light. Light is what illuminates love. The more, when light is shining, wow. As light is shining, the commandment, the demand, the details of love becomes clearer. What makes, what raises the, 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 the demand of the divine life or the divine love in the soul is the shining of the divine light. You get what I'm saying? So, the message of fellowship, that John chapter, 1 John 1, right? When John was speaking, he said that this is the message we have received of him. Amen. So verse 4, he said that these things write we unto you, that your word, joy may be what? Full. Verse 5, that this then is the message we have heard of him and declare unto you, that God is light and in him is what? No darkness at all. So this is the message of divine fellowship. Right? That God is light and what? In him is no darkness. So if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. If we say we have fellowship with him, and we walk in darkness. We lie and we do not the truth. So there is the message of him, which is God is light. In him is no darkness at all. You see that light in whom there is no darkness is the perfect light. Do you see that? Then when you, when, so that's, that's actually, when you say God, the visage of God where there is no darkness at all, it's just all light. That is God. That's actually the, the beginning of God. Right? That is true. The state of true is light without darkness at all. Another way to put it is no variableness or shadow of turning. So every good and perfect gift cometh down from what? Above. From the Father of lights. So the Father of lights is light himself. From the Father of lights. The lights which he fathers are truth lights. Each light which he fathers is truth. But he is true. 
because he is a perfect light. And with him there is no variableness, neither what shadow of turning. That is the description of one that is true. To be true means to be without variableness, without what shadow of, you cannot turn. Why? There is no darkness at all. Now, when you, well, that's the first thing. Once you get to that place, that's true. Now, from true state, there are ascensions in the, in the realm of true. In other words, that light without darkness has its different glories, its different levels. It, it, it moves from the everlasting state. That, that true state moves into eternity. And as moving into eternity, with unfolding realms of glory, according to different realms of shining. Are you get what I'm saying? God shine. There is a shine of the eternal God. That one is that is another brightness entirely. Of course, darkness is very far from that completely. But this is just measuring right the the state. Are you get what I'm saying? Where this a soul becomes the, what it calls true. True is with no darkness at all. So what they are saying here is, this is the aim of fellowship. When they're talking of perfection in the, of the presence, what the presence of God wants to perfect is no darkness at all. Do you see that? So if we say we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie. So this with him, this him, he's not talking about just the truth from him. They're talking of fellowship of this is him, right? Is him as he is. As he is. Are you saying that? So that fellowship with him as he is, right? If you're fellowshiping, you say you're fellowshipping with him, means you're, you've gotten to a point where he has appeared. Right? Um, and you still have darkness in you. You walk in darkness. It's actually not true. Because it means that you have not purified yourself as he is pure. Because he that has this hope in himself. Which hope? The hope of that when he comes to be like him. Because you see him as he is. To see him as he is, is this fellowship with him. It's a fellowship with the true God. That's with Jesus, who is true. Praise God. Say, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, so he's not talking about the process. He's just telling you, don't claim it before it has happened. Don't claim it beforehand. The fact that you've gotten into everlasting life season, don't begin to claim things. That's what he's trying to tell you. Don't claim, don't, don't begin to say right now, I'm be seeing God. You might, you might be, feel like you are seeing something. But you have not seen, you're not seeing him yet. There is a standard of an appearance. It's to see him that is true. Can you see him without darkness at all? If there is a way, we will know. If you've seen him in that way. You know how we will know? Verse 3, quickly, of chapter 2. 
Just very quickly, we have to just read quickly. It says, hereby we do know him. We do know that we know him. If we keep his commandments, and he that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. So this is those who the truth is not in them. This one level of liars. Right? Who they will say, we know him, but the truth is not in them. That means they have not even gained access into fellowship. Right, because then verse 5 says, But whoso keepeth his word, in, in him verily is the love of God perfected. When you began to keep his word, in you they now engage a further season of what? Perfection of what? Of the love of God. Then hereby we know that we are in him. How you know you are in him? Is when that love has been what? Perfected. Now, he that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. A brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true. In him and in you. So whether it's in him or in you, this new commandment they're talking about is true in him and in you because darkness, are you seeing? True. This is not truth. True. It's because darkness is past and the true light now shineth. Now, he that saith he is in the light and hated his brother is in darkness even until now. But he that loveth his brother abideth in the light and there is none occasion of what? Stumbling what? In him. He that hated his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whether he goeth because that darkness had done what? Blinded his eyes. Now you see this thing they're talking about darkness here, darkness. This is in this realm of fellowship. So this darkness is not the darkness that, uh-huh, that is past. In this time when the true light now shines, that word, when you say darkness is past, the true light is now shining. It's talking about the season of school. It's talking about the ambience. It's no longer darkness. We're not com- you've come into the ambience of light, when the true light is shining, you've come into the zone of dealing with truth, but it's still to deal with variableness, shadow of turning, which are types of darkness that you will find in any nature that's not the pure divine nature. Are you seeing that? So when a soul gets into that place, this is what, if you just read this place quickly, they're just bringing similarity. Amen. I'm sorry. It's just telling you, in this realm, darkness is synonymous with your, the gap in your love fellowship. Right? So, the way that 
the, you grow in love fellowship or the way you grow is you have to the reason why the darkness is tied to they now brought this brother thing here brother they're now using brother brother I see so your, your love for brother as a measure of how much darkness is in you how much you still have darkness you still have depends on how much you're doing how well you're doing with loving your brother in this zone of fellowship why because no man has seen God at any time or that you can't do it chapter 4 put it praise God let's see it that hearing his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and what? Sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. Our sin, right? Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Are you seeing that? If God so loved us, then the response is to begin to love one another in fellowship. Because no man had seen God at any time. So, but if we love one another, God dwelleth. So they are talking about the mood wherein how God dwelleth. Do you understand? Sorry. How God dwelleth is and how his love gets what? Perfected. So when when he's perfecting his love, this is a season of, by this time it's not, they're not talking of just learning precepts. They're talking about a season of fellowship. Now, there's a way you can think that when you come into the presence of God, that all you are you're just going to be doing there is just talking with God. Just you and the Father, just you and Him alone, just fellowshipping. But what the journey we took made you realize that you think you'll just be seeing Jesus. That to get to really see Jesus, even after you've begun the, the journey from the beginning of their life, it would take some a lot of purification of love and that purification peter calls it loving one another fervently with what a pure heart that is the activity of fellowship are you seeing that now but when you when you move into the season of divine life you've come into a season of appearance Right, but you will not have the appearance of Jesus as He is. You won't have that. But there is a way He appears. Is also the fellowship of persons is by wisdom. Is the wisdom of how He distributes His person in what, in others, or who you call the brethren. Before you will ever see Jesus, you must have seen him in many, 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 many brethren. And be seeing him and growing through fellowship. You must have part of the skill of, it's a code of fellowship of the divine life. It's the ability to see Jesus in another. That's why you can anybody who hasn't done charity to start it, forget about it. You won't even understand what the point is of. Imagine you're, or that you're coming to a school and all you're doing in school is seeing Jesus in your brother. That's all, that's the learning. Wow. Yes. That's the school. 
That's the encounter. Without the orientation of charity, you can't do that. You, can, you won't even prosper in that. Are you seeing that it's when we spoke of fellow? You see, you see the language fellowship with us. These things have been written that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and His Son. So they can carry fellowship with the Father and the Son in them and be declaring it to people. So imagine you're fellowshipping with Him, you can fellowship with the Father, with lights of the Father and the Son inside of Him. Are you seeing that? Another I entirely. There are some kind of things that disqualify you. For some, some souls are disqualified. If you have a soul that only looks here, it can't look here. You won't even be able to cope in that kind of fellowship. You just, once that zone opens, you just stop being blessed. You just stop being blessed. You won't be able to, to file into the code. So, are you seeing what charity is? Charity is a preparation for what? It's a, it's a, it's a preparation for a zone where you, you, you look not on your own things, but on the things of another in perpetuity, without breaking, without stopping. Because if you fall below that standard, you just broke out of fellowship. You just left fellowship. You've broken the code of fellowship. You, you left it. Like who knows what that Ephesian church was doing. They left their first love. And they were still laboring. But they, they stopped laboring according to the code. According to the standard. According to the way of laboring. They now say, from where thou hast fallen, repent. Go back and do the first works. Go and do the first works. Praise Jesus. Glory to God. So anyone that hated his brother, right, is the same law. Go to Genesis, it's the same thing. God didn't come to Cain and say, Cain, you know Cain thought it was just about him. He brought all his offering and everything and was trying to, to he wanted to, to use another, another labor code to please God. And God was just reading him. I know you have killed your brother's sins in your heart. I know you're, you, you've, you don't even know the law of the presence. God must have saw that in his heart he has done what? His deeds were evil. Those evil deeds. Wherefore slew he him? Because his deeds were evil. Are you seeing the, that, that code from the beginning? The law of fellowship. The law of love. Love. They love one another fervently with a pure heart. Amen. Praise God. Don't look for Jesus anywhere else. Where should you be looking for Jesus? 
whether you are in the presence, whether you are still in Christ, in charity, it's the same code. It's the same code. You are, when you begin to live that way, you are, you are signaling to heaven, I'm getting ready for fellowship, getting ready for light, for the season of light. Glory to God. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord will give us grace to think about some of these things. The Lord wants me to say this. I'm fighting it, but it's like a word of knowledge. The Lord is saying there's someone that is one person or more, I don't know, just listening to me that you're giving the enemy ground to invest in your heart to put things and erect structures that are against the law of fellowship against the law of common communal journeying there are some some kind of things bitternesses things in the heart that is a they manifest as tendencies against company, against flocking, against togetherness. They actually sounds of accusatory thought and feeling against the company, against brethren, against those who you are meant to journey with. The Lord is saying, I'm giving you a chance to repent. That if you repent, I will, I will cause grace to flow into your heart. But the Lord wants me to tell you that what you are playing with is dangerous. That if you don't repent and you follow it, it will lead you away. And the Lord is saying, you know that's the case because the seed of, of going away and breaking fellowship, you are, you are already perceiving that aroma. But the Lord is saying, I'm, I will have mercy on you if you are humble, if you will turn. And if you will repent, um, there's an emphasis in this season. I know there's something about this. I think life class somehow it's coinciding with fellowship. There's something about, I mean, I'm too sure about that this season. And I pray the Lord will give everyone wisdom. Amen. Wisdom that let he that has an ear, let you can't take fire into your bosom and it won't consume you. If you fellowship with harmful things, they will harm you. Thus hear the Lord, but the Lord will keep every heart and will cause everyone to prosper, to prosper in, in these things. Father, I thank you, I give you praise. 
We worship you tonight, Lord. This, let this, your love be spurred more and flourish more, Lord, in our heart. Father, I ask that let every, every heart, let your spirit move upon every soul, oh God, and bring the, the dealings, the encounters, Lord, the, that will wrought the change and transformation. Thank you. Let wisdom begin to go out right now to every heart, to every mind. Wisdom, instruction of what to do, what to do, what to change, what to modify. The wisdom of, of obeying, of complying, Lord, with the, the demand of such of this world. Father, thank you. We receive it. We give you all the praise. We bless your holy name. Thank you, our Lord. Let the wine of fellowship, the wine of communion, even though the wine of love, let it flow, Lord, into our heart. And let it drown out every wrong intoxication in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We give all the glory and all the praise to your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you.